0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Living More Alive. This is a podcast where we talk about different health and wellness topics, and we discuss ways to live your life to the fullest. This week is an interview with Stephanie McMahon. She is a pediatric physician assistant, and she is just a joyful human. We talk about how she built a community after moving across the country for her first job after PA school, and how she really leans on that community. We talk about her love of running and her eating habits, and this conversation gets really deep. Steph opens up about her faith and how her viewpoints differ from a lot of people within her community, and Steph just lives a life of compassion, and it really shows, so sit back and enjoy this wonderful interview with Stephanie McMahon. Hi, Steph. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation.
1: Hello, beautiful. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So first, just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and what you've been up to.
1: Yeah. So I'm Steph. I went to had the honor and privilege of going to PA School with Carrie and- the even higher honor and privilege of living with her during PA school. Um, the best, the best year of my life. Um, and so I'm a PA as well. And I um, live in Portland, Oregon, which I moved for my first job um, after PA school. I worked at a pediatric primary and urgent care um, and currently loving life in the Pacific Northwest. Awesome. Thank you. That was a great introduction. And as you can tell, Steph
0: is like one of the sweetest people in the world and loves to over-exaggerate with her kindness. Which well, we an
1: but okay.
0: <laughs> so anyway, kind of jumping right into, since this is like a health and wellness podcast, you have been an active person your pretty much your entire life, from what I know. Um, you know, played college basketball and you know, run and do all this active stuff. So, kind of jumping back all the way, you know, to college. What was it like graduating college and no longer having a team to work out with? What was that transition like?
1: Yeah, so um, oh, it's sad that we have to say like all the way back to college, but it was. <laughs> um, yeah, so I loved um, like playing. I went to a very, very tiny Division three school. So like not as intense as like other college sports, but um, it still was an incredible experience and I'm so grateful for. Um, and I think that it was hard for me to transition out of... Um, sports, because I really valued the community that I had in sports. Um, and you just, you did everything with your teammates. We traveled together. We saw each other every day. Um, and so it was hard. That was one of the hardest things for me to transition out of being on a team is just, you get so close to your teammates and so used to doing everything with them, um, that it was kind of hard for me not to have that structure. Um, and also it was hard to... Like, when you have practices, you just have to go to them. Um, It's not, like, something you have an option of doing or being like, I don't feel like doing this today. Like, it doesn't matter. You just go. So I think it was hard for me to, like, have self-motivation, right? especially right after, um, because I was kind of used to having a schedule laid out for me, and that's what we did. Um, So, yeah, I think those are, like, the two biggest challenges that I had coming out of doing organized sports. Yeah.
0: And I feel like when you do a sport like your entire life, it sort of becomes like a piece of your identity. Like, Mm -hmm. did you feel like you were like losing a part of yourself? Like, how was that?
1: Yeah. I think that... (laughs) To a degree. Yeah. Um, like it's hard when like I had been playing basketball since like second grade. Um, and then it's all of a sudden it's just over. Um, and not like, you can still like, I still like played for fun and things like that, but it, it was definitely like when you spend that much time on something, it does become like a part of who you are. And so I feel like it was hard, um, to lose that. Um, I think, playing at a lower level, like a division three type level, did help with perspective on that. Um, Like I knew that this was not going to be something, it was a phase of my life that I'm really grateful for and really enjoy, but I also knew it was never going to be like the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And being able to kind of I was a student athlete, not like an athlete student, if that makes sense. I feel like I really was able to like put my schooling first and like knew that that's where I wanted to like head in the direction of my life. So it was really helpful cause I feel like it was still a part of who I was but not to the degree that I felt like I had like lost everything when my basketball career was over. It was just like, this is now the next step that I'm excited to take after finishing college.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I feel like that shows that you also had a really like healthy perspective and you were like, you knew that this was a finite time and you were able to fully enjoy that and then kind of move on from there. So when you did graduate and you're kind of on your own, you don't have a team, you don't have to go to practice anymore. Did you like take any time off? Did you stop exercising for a while? What What kind of, where did that lead?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, I remember, I remember this very vividly of, like, the, after I finished my last game, I was, like, I don't want to do anything for a week, and there was a <laughs> solid week where I literally, like, just One did week, it. wow, so long. And I know, I know, such a long time where I, like, didn't move. I just, like, I remember, like, me and my teammate, like, one time, we were, like, let's see how few steps we could take today <laughs> and just, like, oh, laying on the couch. And that was great. And But then, like, it, I think that you know this for sure, that, like, if you're active and it, it is a part of your routine and a part of who you are, like, I just felt gross and was <laughs> like, okay, I need to get back into doing something. I definitely still was not at the competitive level that I was when I was, like, actually in season. Um, but still felt like I like that was being active was like still a big part of me and like something that I valued. So I I don't I didn't take like a huge break. Um, but definitely switched because it was and I think it was hard for me to find something new to kind of take the place of it because I'm I was used to like, okay, we're gonna lift every morning and then go to practice and things like that. And because I had to do it, it took some of the, like, I didn't do any sort of strength training for a really long time because I was associated that with, like, work almost, like, something I had Mm -hmm. to do, Um, and so I did take a really long break from that, um, but started running um, pretty soon after that, like, finding something else to do.
0: Gotcha, and so you said you started running. Was that sort of, like, Your go-to, did you enjoy that? Like, because I know now you definitely enjoy running a lot. Yeah. But, you know, did it take some time to figure out what you actually enjoyed and wanted to do?
1: Yeah. I think I have told you this story before, but um, I signed up for a half marathon, like, a couple of weeks after finishing basketball with my teammate. And we thought that we were just in, like, peak physical fitness like the pinnacle of the human condition that we were like we can do anything let's run a half marathon and I still don't really know why that was what we chose to do but we did but we also chose to do that and then because we were just the pinnacle of fitness decided that we didn't need to train for it so we just we did one four mile run like a week (laughs) before the half marathon and I was like, I think I threw up during that four mile run and was like, maybe we should have trained harder for this, (laughs) but like, we'll be fine. And then we did the half marathon and it was literally the worst, one of the worst days of my life. Like just started vomiting and was like running while throwing up and like, I'm like mile eight and running past like spectators that were like you're almost there and I was like I am not I still have to run like five more miles I don't think I can do this and it was really awful and then I yeah I really don't know why I kept running but eventually I just kept doing it and now I really love it and can run half marathons without dying so So that's definitely a
0: rocky start it sounds like yes
1: yes (laughs) <laughs> I have
0: to know, what did you feel like the day after that half marathon? So
1: bad. So bad. I, that was another day that I really think I laid on the couch and was like, how many <laughs> steps can I not take today? <laughs> because I physically could not. <laughs> it was <laughs> real bad. We, like, went out to breakfast after. Like, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to run this race and, like, eat some chocolate chip pancakes. And I just, like, sat there and, like, completely dazed like I don't think I spoke I don't think I said anything I was just like I will never recover from this
0: just in shock
1: but I did and it's we're here now so you know life is great
0: yeah that's that's a pretty um yeah tough start to your running career but it's you know you came back from it and now you love it so that's great absolutely so we talked a little bit about how you felt right after you know finishing college basketball you took a week off and then you kind of went right into running, got into that, and have been pretty active since then. Have you ever experienced burnout since then, or even just talking about like those days where maybe you just don't feel like going to the gym? What what's that like for you? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like I, um, I I don't know. I think I hope everyone experiences that. Like I I hope maybe there is a person who's just like I want to work out every day. Like. I just, I don't know who that person is, but (laughs) I like, I think that everyone does like you, there are a lot of days where like, I don't, I try and work out before work. And like, there's a lot of days where I would rather just sleep. Um, and sometimes I do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also, it's hard, I guess, for me sometimes because I love doing things. I don't like, not having plans like I whether that's mm-hmm. like doing something with my friends like having dinner hosting dinner going somewhere like and I want to go away for the weekend and go on trips and things like that that's something that's really important to me so I also think I experienced a degree of burnout trying to fit workouts in in that um like Yeah. I think that is the two, like the two biggest things for me. Like just there like are some days that I don't feel like doing it and also trying to like weave it into my schedule. Um, and when it's not just my normal everyday routine, which is a lot of times. (laughs) Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think that's cool that like, because you are such a social person and you love hanging out with people that You don't let, because a lot of people that are really into fitness or yeah, just I think fitness, they maybe avoid social situations or they don't host people or they don't go out to eat with their friends because it's like this stressor. And I think it's really cool that you prioritize your friends and your social situations because it, it really does like light you up and it refreshes you. But I think it's cool that you are able to find that balance and you're still fitting your workouts in. But also, like living your life and enjoying people that you love. And I think that's, yeah, I think it's cool that you're able to
1: find that balance. Well, I am just trying to emulate you, honestly. <laughs> you <laughs> have found that balance. And you know, you know that I just want to grow up and be you someday. So,
0: <laughs> you are wild. All right. So, let's switch to some topics about nutrition then. So we talked a lot about, a lot about your fitness, um, but I think kind of talking about your social situations and everything. Let's talk about nutrition. How? What is your approach to nutrition? How do you approach food eating? I mean, everybody's got to do it. How do you eat?
1: Yeah, I think this is honestly like one of the areas that I struggle the most with. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a multifactorial thing for sure. It's just like, working period or working in healthcare, um, when you're doing shift work, like I need to eat three meals a day at work essentially. Um, which in it's very easy for me to get into a very snacky, <laughs> not healthy, um, type of diet at work. There are just always, I don't know what it is, and I appreciate it like people always send cookies and like always want to bake something for you which I appreciate like don't get me wrong like if my patients ever listen to this please like keep making me cookies but <laughs> I it's never like it's harder to have like healthier options high protein options things like that in like an office healthcare work setting um and then on top of that, I I guess second thing is my social needs are very high, which usually involves a lot of like, let's go get dinner tonight and like, let's go out for a drink and things like that. So I, which I love doing and is really important to me, but also contributes to me not making the best decisions because usually tend to get less healthy options at restaurants and bars and things like that than I would make for myself at home. And then another thing is, is that honestly, like, I just, I really enjoy mac and cheese and I really enjoy like carbs. Like I have the diet of like a 15 month old, like they just eat like cheese and crackers. And like, that's kind of, I think maybe I'm regressing in my diet. (laughs) Um, and like, I live alone, so it's harder to like when I don't have like someone else to be like, yeah, let's make dinner. It's easier, quicker. I tend to go with easier and quicker options because I don't like I can do that. And that's like enough food for one person. So I guess that was like four things, but all in all, something that I struggle with, but am constantly working on and like mm-hmm. trying to have grace for myself in the same type of thing.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, like, you say that you struggle with it, but is this something that you feel like guilty when you do go out to eat or when you do have your mac and cheese? Or is it just like, you know, is it hindering your goals or like, what about it do you feel like is a struggle for you? Because I mean, you're not objectively, you're not unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, kind of define that a little bit if you would.
1: So, yeah, sometimes feel guilty about it. Um, like I not all the time, not usually I would say. Um, but there are times where I just am like, wow, I did not do a great job. Like balancing balanced diet today. Didn't do great Mm -hmm. on those macros. (laughs) Like, um, and I think also sometimes I use, I use it as like a compensatory mechanism for like I come home at night after work and I if I had like especially if it's been like a really long day or I had a tough patient like I tend to automatically go to like (laughs) let's have a little treat and I (laughs) eat some ice cream or like I make mac and cheese or something like that Mm -hmm. um and then afterwards I'm like maybe that wasn't the best way for me to deal with (laughs) the stress that I was having um and then So but I think more than so, the guilt is I can definitely notice a difference in a lot of ways, like be it like my physical appearance, but more so like how I feel. Like if um, Mm -hmm. when I do prioritize eating better Um, and so I notice that on the flip side when I don't eat as well um, and feel like I know that I can feel better. I know that I can be working towards like my physical goals more. Um, and maybe not doing that as much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's big too. Like, I think so many people think about nutrition based on like what, how it changes their body. But I also think it's, it's huge to kind of recognize that connection with how it makes you feel. So yeah, yeah, that's, um, interesting. And then do you ever kind of struggle with like your body image at all? Cause I know you hinted at like feeling guilty, but like, is that a struggle for you or, or not?
1: Yeah, I think for sure. Not not a ton, but I think that just, like... Which is um, great. <laughs> Thanks, Rent. <laughs> Again, trying to emulate you in every <laughs> single aspect. But, yeah, it's definitely, like, there are areas of my body the way that I look that I am more self-conscious about than others and notice like wow I used to have abs now they're gone (laughs) Um, or something like that struggle with image in in those sorts of ways like definitely there are things that and this is something I'm working on I think everyone should work on about feeling like they truly are beautiful and wonderful but like definitely I still struggle with that like I could very easily name areas of my body that I wish I could change um which is something that I'm working on but something that I know is it's just kind of a lifelong thing um Mm -hmm. that I'm always trying to work on my like internal dialogue self-talk like whatever yeah. to, to realize that I don't need to look a certain way but it's really hard like just to exist and not notice things that you wish were, were different about yourself I think.
0: Yeah especially in this current society.
1: Yeah a thousand percent.
0: Um, yeah but I feel like listening to you I'm sure everybody can hear that Maybe if your positive self-talk isn't great, your positive external talk is amazing. Um, you are one of the most uplifting people that I've ever met. So question for you is, you are so bubbly. You're so, you, you come off so happy all the time.
1: How do you keep such a positive mindset all the time? Um, well, I don't think that I keep a positive mindset all the time. (laughs) First of all, um, I don't think anybody is like ever happy 100% of the time. But that being said, I am a lot of things. I'm surrounded by like the greatest human beings on the face of the planet Earth. Like I literally don't know how I get so lucky with like each stage in my life. I feel like I have found a group of people who have been so incredible, people that I want to be more like, people that I love and enjoy spending time with. Um, And so I think that's part of it. And um, trying to find good things um, in each day and like take a step back and realize that like I dreamt of being in the spot that I am right now um and like I have an incredible job and career and like support group of people and like I'm a roof over my way more than just a roof over my head and like so many of the things that I dreamt of becoming um and trying not to focus on the things that I, it's really easy, um, to focus on things that I still don't have or haven't achieved yet that I want to. Um, and really easy for me to get bogged down in, I guess, just like the overall brokenness of the world, (laughs) um, and our like society and culture. Like if I think about that too much, I can feel myself like spiraling. Um, but really like trying to remember and I don't do this perfectly that I have just this like one day and I am going to do as much good things in this one day as I can um and like try and make things better as much as I can even if they're really really small things um and find joy and purpose in that um sounds way better and way easier than it actually is to do that. But, um, that's something that I have tried to be really intentional about. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that's at least some of the, at least some of the reasons. Yeah. And so like,
0: I've only known you for, I don't know, a few years, but is this something that, you know, you worked on over time and like you made a, an intentional practice? Like, were you, not as uplifting and supportive before, or like, how do you kind of develop that and like
1: maintain that? Yeah. I don't know. I, (laughs) I guess I think I've always, I don't think that it's a part of my personality that I've ever had to work on um Mm -hmm. I really love supporting the people that I love and being there for them and that has always been something that's brought me a lot of joy and a lot of purpose so um I think that definitely like it's it's something like what I was talking about about like focusing on good things and trying to to be there for people is always something that I can work on like I will never achieve like perfection (laughs) in any category, but, um, it's always been something that I've loved to do. So I don't, I feel really blessed that it's not something that I feel like I've had to work on. Um, but not that I haven't had to work on it. I have, I am working on it constantly. Right. But not something that's ever been difficult for me to, to focus on and, and prioritize. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, like from the first time meeting you, that you are a naturally like bubbly, happy person. But I think it's really cool that you channel that into specifically lifting other people up and not just being like, not just being like a bright light, but also helping other people, like bringing other people up with you, which I think is, is really cool. Um, so you hinted at this a little bit with like, what do you do on the days that you are feeling down? Like you mentioned, you kind of take a step back and you have perspective and you're thankful for you know all that you have and you try to show gratitude. So I think that's clear. But I think for a lot of people, they get into this cycle where it's like they have a bad day and then they feel down
1: and then it makes the next day bad? And like, how do you kind of break that? Yeah. Um, so I think that I definitely am not like immune to getting into those cycles as well. Um, you, you definitely know this. I've talked to you about this. I think talking to people like you, like the amazing, incredible humans in my life is the, the way that I do break the cycle. Um because it, that's what great relationships are about when you like um you and our other roommate Lauren I think made fun of me for this about like <laughs> being one person in a relationship being the flower and one person being the gardener <laughs> or whatever <laughs> and that analogy which is granted a little little strange I'll give it to you but like you There are times in a relationship where it's like I'm going to be the person that's going to help you see the good things in you and help you find like perspective and shine the spotlight on you. But then like what's great about relationships is then when I need that like the people in my life provide that. Um, And because I tend to, when I get into a cycle of not feeling great, I tend to like isolate myself a lot and have thoughts like I'm alone, like I don't have anyone, things like that. And so I try and be intentional about reaching out to the people around me. And even if it's as simple as like, I would like to hang out soon, (laughs) like I need to like do something with you. Or if it's like, I need to have a deeper conversation about like, how I'm feeling and like uh, and even though like gaining some perspective on on how I'm feeling and things like that um and yeah I think that another thing is sometimes it's just like you just have to let know be okay with being in a little bit of a, a rut I guess I'll say um that's something that's been really hard for me a a struggle is that I feel like because I have all these good things, I don't have the right to feel sad. I don't have the right to feel overwhelmed because my life is so incredible. Um, And I think honestly, like this year has been, that's been something I've been working on a lot is doesn't matter. Like there are going to be times where no matter how great your life is right there's always going to be moments of of sadness and confusion and it doesn't have to be this huge depressing like the worst thing that's ever happened to make you feel sad and to make you feel confused and it's okay to kind of sit with those feelings for a while because they're always going to happen um and it's not like I have to immediately like I start to feel sad and I must gain perspective in like an hour like it's okay to be to kind of sit in that space for a little while yeah
0: yeah I think that's that's really a great kind of perspective to have and knowing yourself where it's like you maybe try not to allow those feelings like I think it's good to be cognizant of that and let yourself feel the sadness and it's okay to be sad even if you're not a refugee, like, you know, experiencing the worst situation. Like, you have a right to have those feelings as well. So, and I think it's cool that, I think you touched on something really important is community. Like, having people, finding community, Mm -hmm. having people that you can talk to that you can lift up that will then also lift you up. Like, that's what it's all about. I think that's really cool. So you... Moved across the country Mm -hmm. and got a job, your like first career as a PA, like like crazy. How did you build a community? Because you have an incredible community. How did you do that? Like, what would be your advice to somebody who is also going through something similar?
1: Yeah. Um, so my advice if you're like looking at a job across the country or just a job that's like far away, I is to just do it. Um, and I know that's not great advice, but, um, I was so scared about leaving, um, like you guys, <laughs> the people that I had in PA school, I was like, I, maybe I should stay at least like, it's never going to be like it was when we were in school, but like, I know people here and I, I, sh- don't think I should leave but like this job seems really great and like this is a good time in my life and I think maybe there are some times where you something happens and you're like this is exactly you have no doubts about it but for me personally there has never been a decision that I have made in my life where I just experienced this like moment of clarity that like all the stars have aligned like I always am second guessing like should I have done like is this the right move for me I don't know like there are so many different ways and I think it's okay to still be doubting something and to just go for it um and I definitely had it was hard like I didn't come here and immediately have a community for sure So it was like a tough, definitely like few months of wishing that I hadn't left (laughs) like a comfort zone for me. Um, But it's never going to be the perfect time to make a change, but it's always the perfect time at the same time too. Um, And then after, because then after a few months, like I found people, I got very lucky through I feel like I've met a lot of people at work um, that have become my people, Um, but just like going to things even though even when I didn't feel like going like finding like a church or like a similar community um that works for you and like just asking people to to do things (laughs) um inviting like asking if you can come along to things which is made me super uncomfortable (laughs) um but um eventually like yeah developed friendships and and a community here so Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's really good practical advice, too. Just being like, hey, do you want to go do this? Or like, hey, I heard you guys talking about this. Like, I'd love to come along. Like, I think that's (laughs) uncomfortable, but like, that seems like it works.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it might not work. Like, there are some people that are like... And don't be deterred by that. Like they definitely asked some people to do things and it just didn't happen and like that's okay. Um it's fine. Um but most people even when I was super awkward and was like, "Hey, can I hang out with you guys?" like they like let me come. Like people are people are overall I feel like great people. Um, yeah. and like they like are going to surprise you with like it if you feel like isolated, like I think people surprise us in like, they're more than happy to like have somebody or like go out to dinner with you or something like that. So um, don't let awkward moments deter you. (laughs) And also like, if it doesn't work out, it's all good. Like it's like dating, like (laughs) not everyone's going to be a winner, Um, but like you'll, you'll find people eventually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you just got
0: to move on. Exactly. Yeah. It's (laughs) mine. Okay. So you moved across the country and you worked at, well, I guess originally it was like a pediatric urgent Mm -hmm. care and primary care Mm -hmm. now more urgent care side of Mm -hmm. things, but why, why pediatrics? Why did you choose this career? What do you love
1: about it? Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, this as well, but I, um, Thought that I wanted to go into pediatrics before I even went to PA school, but I was like, I'm going to keep my mind open. There are so many things that I don't even know about. And then I did my P's rotation and was like, this is exactly what I want to do. Like all these other things. Not sucked. I enjoyed moments <laughs> and aspects of everything. But I, it was just like a totally different experience for me. What I love about pediatrics the most, I think, is just hanging out with kids. Um, and they are, like, every day I go to work and, like, a patient, like, makes me laugh and brings me joy because, like, they are so funny and so joyful and, like, live are just living their best lives and don't need, like, big things or complicated things to make them happy. I honestly, like, want to be more, like, the patients that I take care of. Um, And I love that even when I am... haven't had to to give people a ton of like really difficult diagnoses or like anything like that in my current role as like it's a lot of like healthy kids and like or they have a cold or something like that but even in those moments when I have had to give a kiddo or their family like a really a difficult diagnosis or like we don't 100% know what's going on um I think also kids understand what's going on. Like maybe not to the degree, like level of complexity that we do as adults, but I know that something's wrong. They know that like when they're sick and things like that, and they're still able to just really find joy and like focus on like the the day in front of them and like still try and bring joy to others as well. So, like, all of the goals that I talked about that I'm working on, like, I feel like kids have that down pat. And I – so that's why I love working with them. Also, it's great in medicine because kids are usually fine. I really love that about <laughs> kids. <laughs> like, adults are – are I don't know how you all take care of adults. Like, if <laughs> they have, like, 15 medications and, like, you tell them what to do and they – could care less what you're telling them to do and like my my patients are always like even if they're really sick one day the next day they're they're feeling better like they they do not take medicines like they're great Um, (laughs) so I also I really like that as well Um, and maybe that's just me being like selfish that I don't want to think about the different meds and I want people to listen to me more, but that's what I love, um, in general and why I chose peds and why I can never see myself switching out of peds.
0: Yeah. Well, and you obviously have a great personality for that. Like as a kiddo coming in, seeing you and you just like being wild and happy and fun, like that's the perfect thing for a sick kiddo or, you know, a relatively healthy kiddo, like any kid would love Love
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. So we talked about why you love pediatrics. What is like a challenge that comes with that? This is like, right, the classic answer that anybody that works with PEDS will tell you is like parents are hard. (laughs) I really, I think this is not specific to PEDS. Um, Like medicine in general is like balancing what you think is right as a provider, um, as someone who has a healthcare education and what the parents are telling you what your patient is telling you they think is wrong um what they're gonna do no matter what you say so I think that like a personal struggle is definitely like when I differ on what a parent's personal like Beliefs about a situation are as I've been in practice more trying to balance and have like a hard line of like medically this is what we need to do for your kid or medically like this is my opinion but still like they're the parents they're the mm-hmm. ones that are the ultimate decision makers and sometimes it's been really hard for me to respect what parents are saying um, and what they ultimately end up deciding um, and balancing what they're telling me with because they know their kid best with what I know like objectively and medically um speaking so I think that's really hard um mm-hmm. and has been like my biggest personal struggle um working in peDS yeah and have has there ever been like a time where
0: you know the parents are thinking one thing and you have a very strong opinion another way where you have to be like look this really shouldn't be a a choice. Like, do Mm -hmm. you have to kind of, like, override the parents' wishes and say, like, this is what needs to be
1: done? Um, there hasn't been, thankfully, any situations where, well, only very rare situations that I've felt like a kiddo's health is at risk, and I have to say this is what we're doing, um, or you at least need to do this, um, type of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I actually think, like, the harder situations are when it's not, you can't say this kid is in danger because, like, immediate danger, um, of what, because of what their parent is deciding, but it's like, I don't think this is the best route to go either, um, and this is what I, I, think we should do um I have a lot of that with um like mental health type scenarios or like parents who are like my kid has ADHD and where I'm looking at the situation saying I think your kid has trauma (laughs) and like maybe Mm -hmm. your kid has anxiety or something like that but I like I want to deal with that aspect of their of their mental health and things like that. And parents have a lot of patients who are just like, we need to fix this with with medicine. You need to fix this type of thing. Um, And those are those have been the hardest ones for me, even more than the parents who like don't understand that maybe the severity of what's going on with their kid where I'm trying to convince them like you need to go to the ER right now (laughs) like or we need to we need to like get you admitted right now or something like that I think the harder ones for me are the ones where it's like long term I think that we could do better um or I think that we could take a different perspective address the situation differently but Mm -hmm. I also can't force you to do that. Um like I'm still going to support you the best way that I can and the way that you are asking for support from me, but I think that we could do better. Um yeah. those are those are the hard ones, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. When it's sort of like it's hard to show your perspective and your opinion
1: because it's like a little bit more nebulous, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like uh, in situations where it's like there's a lot of things going on and like also trying to remember like the parent is in this not so great situation as well like they are also dealing with probably stress and trauma and Mm -hmm. things like that and they're it's not just their kid is my patient but like they play a big role like they're also my patient to a degree because they Mm -hmm. need as a parent like you need to be in a good mental health space and safe and things like that to make good decisions for you and your kid um, and to get any sort of perspective on that. So, yeah, yeah. those have been the most difficult challenges, I, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah. as a provider in pediatrics, I mean, you obviously don't see all the kids across America, but what is sort of the biggest health challenge that you see in pediatrics?
1: Yeah. Um there a lot um I think that the one that I feel is like the biggest challenge across all the patients that I'm seeing is just like honestly like the world that these kids are growing up in and the culture and that's not just a challenge for kids like I think that's a challenge for everyone but just uh, yeah, it, like, really hurts my heart to to see that we have just been, like, so increasingly divided. Um, and something that I value the most about you that I think you know is that we, like, we do, we differ on opinions on a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. And I love having conversations with you and, and conversations on things that we might not agree on. But... I love hearing different perspectives and challenging my own personal thinking and things like that. And I just think that that has been completely lost. Um, And that these kids are growing up on, um, in this type of world where we can't have conversations with other people about when we feel differently um right. like we like I had a mom the other day tell me that like she was gonna sue this other parent for like things that like like a disagreement their kids were having at school and it makes me so sad to see like that we can't even like talk something out to like make a better world <laughs> society yeah. for like the kids that are growing up in, in, in that sort of thing. Um, And I think that is the biggest issue that I see right now is mental health, which I think is what a lot of people will say who work in medicine. And, but for me, it's not so much like dealing with like acute mental health things, like helping a teenager or a kiddo with like anxiety or depression. It's like, I don't see how this is going to get better. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't see how, we are going to make this a better world, a better culture for you. Um, And I think that's really important. And why, at least a portion of why a lot of kids are, are struggling with mental health because of, of larger issues like that.
0: Wow. That's so crazy because I feel like thinking back to my own childhood, like I had no idea what was going on in the world. Like I didn't know what politics was. I ha- the worst care was like if somebody didn't want to sit next to me at lunch or something like yeah. Yeah. I think that's so crazy that I mean how young are these kids that you're seeing that are being affected by this?
1: Um too young <laughs> um for sure. Like and and some of it it's not all that, right? Like I I see kids from the area that I'm in is very, say, diverse in terms of socioeconomic statuses of families. Mm. And you can like live in this area and like a few blocks makes a big difference of like wow. what your like childhood and upbringing is is like for sure and what, what struggles you have different from other families. Um, but yeah, I have seen like really young, like eight, nine-year-olds a lot of times that are like... Dealing with issues that, like, I again, like, exactly like you said, I wasn't thinking about these until I was like, I don't know, <laughs> way older. I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not in like elementary, middle school type of dealing with these types of things.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. And so I kind of want to bring us back into a more positive light. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's so do it. As somebody who is practicing in pediatric medicine, Mm -hmm. who also has a spiritual life, um, can you tell us a little bit about how that kind of affects how you practice medicine or if it affects it or, you know, what, you know, how that kind of ties in? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that hopefully, right, the goal of that I have with my faith is that it affects everything that I do. Um, And sometimes it's really hard to like day to day, like when I'm just like seeing patients to see or like for me to like intentionally incorporate it um, and, and think about it in what I do every day. Um, but I definitely think that it helps. That's one of the things that helped me realize that like, I, I don't think you necessarily need to have, like, a faith to do this, but to realize, like, what people are going through. And you're interacting with that person in, like, one very small, very defined moment in time. And maybe they did do something that was, like, come on, dude. Like, that, <laughs> that was not cool. But, like, I don't know what else is going on in their life. And, like, I think that definitely, like my faith has helped me maintain that perspective and maintain like an with everything, like larger picture I mentioned earlier. Like if I think too much about like things that are happening in the world, sometimes I spiral. And like, for me personally, like my faith helps to ground ground me and like stop me from spiraling. And it's helpful for me to think that like, there is like a know that there is some like higher purpose to this, mm-hmm. um, and that I am not in control, um, at all. And that's good. Um, but, and it been a big aspect I'll say in like allowing me to like sit in a lot of questions and realize that that's okay for my faith too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's more of a personal thing than how I let it affect my work, but I mean, how I feel definitely affects <laughs> my work. Um, and so it's been helpful in like those areas, especially I would say recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I, I, I want to ask another question, but we can cut this out if you're not comfortable, like answering it on the podcast, but so you didn't really get into like what
1: your faith is. Can you tell me what you believe? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah would say, characterize myself as having like a a Christian faith. The basics of that being like that we, I'm super broken and could never do anything on my own, um, achieve any like good things on my own essentially. But there is someone else who like took on all of like that weight for me of me trying to be good enough. Christ is the person that took on that burden of, all of the things that I can't do, and all the things that I've done wrong, and all of that pressure of me having to be perfect and follow like the law um, that I could never achieve, and has given me that grace um, and that life. Um, another important thing for me in my faith, I wouldn't characterize myself as. I don't like to use labels, but I think the right word is, like, conservative. Um, (laughs) I'm a very liberal person, um, and that's been a big challenge for me for a really long time, um, about, like, can I hold these beliefs and still characterize myself as a Christian? Um, And that's something that I'm still working on, um, like, Obviously, I feel like the theme of my interview has been I'm working on a lot of things. Um, but so many people are. We're all in progress. So I think that I struggle a lot with, like, the classic why do good things happen, or, sorry, why do bad things happen to good people? (laughs) Um, And good things happen to bad people, I guess. (laughs) But it's the same thing. (laughs) That, like, how could a like good god a good higher power like allow all of these things to happen all this war and all the like big things to like environmental things like climate change and all these things like Mm -hmm. the world on fire and just like all of this divisiveness that is so hard for me to see down to like how does this patient this four-year-old have cancer that that I need to go tell their family that like the this is this worst possible like nightmare for a family to have to go through or like I see a lot of refugee patients that had that fled from Ukraine like I and I can't it's been really hard for me to like equate that I don't know if that's quite the right word but like like reconcile yes exactly reconciles the perfect word reconcile that with still believing that there is a a god any sort of like higher power or order um and i'm honestly still working through that um there's a lot of a lot of doubts that i have um and a lot of things about the church that i have had to, I think, honestly, like, kind of separate myself from, mm-hmm. um, and really think about what the basis of my faith is. Um, and I still think church is a great community, like an important aspect of that. But I also don't agree with a lot of things um, that the church has become associated with it's become this like very political thing Mm -hmm. um and like just so many things (laughs) um that doesn't allow like as an example like women in leadership that i think that women should have that place um and i think that What's been most frustrating for me about the church is that we've we've decided to pick these issues that mm-hmm. I just have a really hard time believing like that this is the biggest issue going on right now. <laughs> that like, why are we so focused on this and just can't get out of this? Um, and again, have talked to you about this before, but like even on like hot topic, hotbed issues like abortion, mm-hmm. whether or not you think that abortion is part of healthcare or right or wrong or whatever. Um that it's just been really sad for me to to have people of that I think I still share right the same faith with them say that like be so committed to like mm-hmm. we need to end abortion and that is it is this evil that we need to completely stop. Um and just not leave any sort of room for discussion on Mm -hmm. maybe we do like if we think that abortion is wrong why are we not supporting single moms more? Why are we not supporting, um, the foster care system more? Um, because if I was in the situation that a lot of, that I see a lot of like my teen moms in, um, of they're looking at a foster care system that is awful, that maybe they grew up in, that was this terrible traumatic experience for them. And that's the option that they have for their kid. I have a lot of compassion for, I see why they made that decision or like, Mm -hmm. I see why they made that decision to not have that child. And so why are we not as a church who are supposed to be loving people where they're at? Dealing with that issue, and then you 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 don't have to make be in this huge legal battle and marches and things like that because you fix the root problem instead of mm-hmm. something that is a consequence of the issue that we're not dealing with. Um, I'm going on a really long rant here, <laughs> and so that has been I you can pick an issue and I probably fall on like the quote unquote wrong side of it um, for what like I grew up with and what a lot of Christians hold. And I don't think that's wrong. I think it's really beautiful that I, that we can share the same faith and have different opinions on things. Um, And, but I think again, like the larger culture, like we've just lost ability to do that we think that like this is this is what god says and i really don't think that we can say that like i i we're people we're humans like think about how much has changed like and how we used to for hundreds of years we used the bible to justify things like slavery and that like we pointed out all these passages and like there were Christian churches saying, like, it's right to own slaves. And I don't think anybody would say that now. But now we're so—we've, like, dug ourselves into this hole of, like, we can't change. Like, this is—like—and I think I understand wanting—you need to stand firm in your faith. If there's something that you're like, I think this is wrong and I'm not going to cave in on that, I I agree. I think it's hard to do that and still be open. But we have to. We have to—like, because— that is not going to change people's hearts and not going to result in anything better if we just say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, we're not giving. we're not giving. we're not giving. I can't listen to you, I can't talk to you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how it's supposed to be either. So I don't have, like, great answers for that other than I think it is our job to love people first um, and mm-hmm. kind of not worry about the rest of the things, um, or worry less about the rest of the things. That's just not something that I feel like the church has done well. So yeah, I, I think that I am definitely in still kind of a a moment of struggle and, um, leaning on my community for support for sure, but also figuring out a lot of things personally. I, I love,
0: I love what you said because I think, One, I think there's probably a ton of people that feel the same way as you, people who fall on more of like the liberal side of these hot button issues and they feel like they don't have a place or they're questioning their faith. And I think it's what a word that you used that I think is so important that kind of unifies us all is compassion. Like, I think that you show beautiful compassion for humans. Um... And I think that's a true testament of your faith. And I think that's something that the church as a whole has kind of lost sight of. And, like, you know, Jesus didn't sit with the perfect humans of society. Like, Mm -hmm. he went to the people who were considered the lowest of the low in society and loved them. And he didn't say, oh, well, yeah, if you come over here and you stop doing what you're doing, I'm going to love you and I'll take care of you only if you stop doing what you're doing he sat down with them in the middle of their brokenness and loved them right where they were. And so I think for sure what you're saying like about the church kind of losing sight of that, I think is a big issue that has happened over, I don't even know how many years, this has kind of been slowly Mm -hmm. creeping up. And so I think, I think it's one. I think it's completely fine and normal for you to be questioning things and not sure where you stand because again, like the church is run by broken humans. Like we all are broken humans and I think there has been poor management of the church as a whole. And so I think the fact that you are questioning things, like what is healthy? Like you it's your faith and it's between you and God and no one else, really. and But I, I think that what you said about compassion is what true Christianity is and what your religion should be focused on because that's the basis of what Jesus wants us to do. He wants yeah. us to be compassionate and love others. But I love that you are comfortable talking about it and bringing it up. And I think it's important to have these conversations because there are people out there who think, one that the church is only the conservative side of things and that there's no place for them or two they have they do have a a faith and they believe that Jesus is their savior and that there is this higher power but then they're questioning everything because of you know having completely different views from what the majority of their church believes so i think it's i don't know i think you're i think you're speaking to a larger population than maybe you know thanks red no this this podcast got really deep so we are gonna finish up here but I have one last question this is the yes. question of every podcast that I do with a guest and so it is a very fun lighthearted question
1: great great
0: <laughs> so what is one thing that you do that makes you feel alive every day oh okay
1: um so many things um i think running makes me feel alive every day i think that being with my humans makes me feel alive every day i think that yeah i i think those are the two that i'm going to go with i'll stop it there i could list a ton but <laughs> i've rambled so much during this I um, love it. but yeah seeing your face makes me feel alive every day hearing your <laughs> voice makes me feel alive every day and i could say that too I mean, you especially, but also so many people in my life. So that, yeah, that definitely makes you feel alive. I love it.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Steph. I think this was a great conversation and I think people are going to learn a lot from you and gain some really awesome perspective. And I think we just had a really good, solid conversation. Yeah,
1: this is uh a this is why I miss living with you and I'm so honored to be on this podcast and thank you for letting it be a very deep conversation. Um, cause it was, it was really great for me also. So you're the best as always. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Gary. And that is
0: all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I think Steph had so much great perspective to give. And it was just a wonderful conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star rating and let me know what you like about it. Let me know if there's anything that you want to hear about and follow me on Instagram. It is keri.saint.claire, Saint I post a lot of health and wellness content there. So follow along for more tips and tricks. And as always, guys, go and live your life to the fullest today. Bye.